Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't know about you, but I often fancy a midweek beer. Or five. Only without having to deal with the anxiety the next morning. That's why Rule the Roost have partnered with Infinite Session for Sober October. I started exploring alcohol-free beers during lockdown, and this is when I first discovered Infinite Session, became a big fan of their IPA. So imagine my delight when I found out that the owners Tom and Chris are also Spurs fans, and, importantly for my ego, listeners of Rule the Roost. Small world. I've come to realise that it's often the taste of beer and the ritual of cracking open a tin to enjoy with the football that I'm craving, rather than the alcohol itself. So whether you're on a health kick, or want to be guilt-free and clear-headed for tomorrow's big meeting, with Infinite Session, you can still enjoy the same refreshing feeling of indulging in a craft beer, but with zero alcohol and no compromise on taste or quality. They're gluten-free, low-sugar, low-calorie, and for Sober October, you can save 20% off any purchases at infinitesession.com with the code RTR20. You can also find them in the alcohol-free aisle in your nearest Big Sainsbury's, but if you do want to take advantage of the offer, visit infinitesession.com and use the code RTR20. Up the Spurs! Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It's a jubilant one. It's three points over Liverpool. It's something that hasn't happened I think probably in quite a long time of me having recorded this podcast so I'm in a good mood. Liverpool are a team that have dealt us quite a lot of pain in the past few years aren't they Chris? How are you doing mate? Welcome to Roll the Roost. Yeah thanks uh, yeah yeah um, obviously what six six years or something since we've uh, actually beaten them so nice to get one over on them I think they've uh, I think they've they've had it coming we've had our luck uh, come in so that's that's good. Did you were you at the game did you go? No, I wasn't. I was at the Sheffield United game, but um, yeah, I watched this one at home, and uh, yeah, it was nice. Where, where do you? Because I, I kind of, I quite, you know, these games, these really like high pressure ones, North London derby, games like this against Liverpool, where there is a bit of an emerging rivalry. I was talking to Phil about it a few weeks ago. There's something I do quite like about just being a bit of an armchair for those points. I like being in my own space and just being able to sit in front of my TV like clenching my teeth you know yeah definitely I think for the big games I mean I've been down to the um, the, the socials a, a few times can be obviously really good being like with Spurs fans but yeah I mean no way I'm going to like a like a neutral pub or you know great if I can get a ticket or whatever but there is yeah there's something nice about knowing that whatever the result you're, you're like in your own space afterwards definitely safe space isn't it that's uh that's what all us yeah, yeah. millennial yeah. Gen Z snowflakes, aren't they? That's what we are. Avocado <laughs> yeah. toast and safe spaces. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, let's, 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 let's jump back into that at the top, mate. Like, finally, we've beaten Liverpool. We've got them on over them. I mean, despite this overwhelming narrative that we have should somehow, you know, replay this or do some kind of, like, honourable <laughs> thing, apparently, for Liverpool... Mm. Do, you, do you have any sort of conflicted feelings about that? Because I, I, I couldn't care less. I'm delighted with the three points. Yeah, no, I mean, about about that sort of stuff, specifically, like, definitely no no conflicted feelings about, like, the the result and, like, ultimately, like, within the context of, like, all the other results and everything, the fact it's just football, right? Like, this happens to everyone. No conflicted feelings about like the game or or anything. I did feel a bit bit weird at the at the uh, full time whistle. Don't know why. Like again, comparing it to the Sheffield United game, obviously there was like such like jubilation the way that we like came back in the, those last few minutes. Um, there was just something. I don't know if it was like a bit comical about the way that the goal went in, the own goal. 
you know they've they've had the two red cards, the VAR thing, and then an own goal. You, yeah, like, it just adds to it. For it's me. just kind of a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it was it was great, but it definitely I, I I'd love to say that it didn't feel like yeah. I felt just completely normal, like we'd beat like a big team, but it definitely felt like I I just wasn't sure like, how to how to entirely feel about it, but obviously like like over the moon with it. I, I think the thing for me is because I, I do know what you're saying and I think maybe I actually to be honest if it was Arsenal I probably would have just laughed at them still but with Liverpool I feel like we've had it the other way around a few times against them where yeah. we're allowed to get one over them you know the, the Champions League final Sissoko's handball that has literally yeah. sparked a rule change uh, in the aftermath of it it you know I think there's, there's, <laughs> there's so much that's happened between these two clubs in the past few years in such a weirdly yeah. short space of time, uh, actually, when we've yeah. gone from being, I would say, fairly ambivalent toward one another to there being a real, I think actually mm. genuine rivalry and hatred between the two teams and fan bases as well. Because I, I, I really don't think Liverpool like Tottenham a lot, do they? Like I've always, I've always gotten this feeling yeah, from I, them. Robertson, Trent, yeah. people like that, and Salah especially, they don't like Spurs. I don't think. Yeah, I think obviously a lot of it seems to have almost stemmed a bit from that um, Kane Salah Golden Boot race, which they weirdly kind of took very personally. Um, that kind of moment where Kane swore that he scored that goal and stuff like that. Um, and it did did start to feel a little bit like they might have eased up on us. Um, in the sense of, well, Kane had left in the summer and just come in, sort of been, you know, it's been said before about his, like, supporting Liverpool growing up and stuff. Like, one of my mates before the game was, like, you know, giving it all the Ange's a, Ange's a good bloke kind of thing. But I think this uh, this might have stoked, stoked it back up again. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and maybe that's a good thing, you know, like, keeps our eyes off... Uh, off Ange for the time being. If, if anything happens to Klopp, they, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, a lot of them weirdly seem to now dislike him. Yeah, for big time, big some time. Some unknown reason. I've seen, yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've seen quite a lot of that because he. I mean, I, th- I think his point was fairly on the money, wasn't it? You win some, you lose some. Was his point in short, wasn't it? You know, you you get these decisions from a ref, and sometimes you don't, and that's football. Um, but I mean, what, what, what do you expect him to say? Yeah, I think they're not going to be happy and, out, yeah. Yeah. unless he champions yeah. a replay, right? No. Or actually, let's give Liverpool the three points. <laughs> Apologies, you know. Then I'll be like, oh yeah, sound lad, sound lad, him, sound lad. Exactly. Um, look, we'll dive into the kind of the the reaction, the aftermath of this, because I think it's it's a pretty big conversation. But let's let's go into the game itself. Um, I think one of the one of the talking points, other than all of the controversies, is Tottenham's struggle to break down, or struggle, should we say in uh, quotation marks, to break down a nine-man Liverpool team. Some people are thrown to the Sheffield United game as well, saying it might have highlighted that Spurs might not be great, or this team might not be great against low-block teams. Does that? Because to me, that feels like nitpicking. Because we've beaten Liverpool and we've beaten Sheffield United when all is said and done. So, are people just trying to find problems with what's going on at Spurs? Or did, did it concern you slightly watching that game unfold in the way that it did? Um, I think uh, concern's maybe not the right word. I think, there are, like, I, th- I think it was a bit of an issue in the games to some extent, but... I think one thing that's not really been mentioned too much, like especially widely and on the commentary and everything, when they talk about our bench is just a level of injuries. I mean, there's so many players that probably would have come on in that game. Um, Perisic, maybe, we, well, we don't know about Gio or like Gill, but Brennan Johnson, probably Brent Bentenker, like Son obviously had to go off at like 70 minutes. So I think like. That real t- that time when we were really struggling to break them down was obviously when they went down to nine for you know seventy minutes to like ninety odd minutes. That was our kind of our, our struggle time when they really sort of sat in. And I think it's pro- it's just a combination I think of not having those options to change it up and uh, you know I think just we haven't had that much time with Ange yet. It's only what three months in. And I think like we'll sort of develop develop these things um 
the kind of players he was able to bring on were, you know, obviously Skip, Hoiberg, Davies, um, not necessarily the kind of players that you're really going to be able to um, to break teams down. And then, uh, again, he's not really going to have been sort of coaching the players how to play against nine men at this point. I mean, <laughs> that kind of thing, hopefully, they'll get find some time at some point, especially with our full weeks of training that we've got. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think... It, if anything, hopefully it can be useful ahead of like the Luton game next week and any others that we've sort of got coming up where teams might do um, similar. I think Ange had it right when he was, I think in his post-match, he was saying about we weren't varying our attacks and, and that kind of thing. And I think that that was kind of it until until we probably like went out the outside and whipped that ball in. Like we'd sort of been doing a lot of the same thing and just a bit slow uh, in, in certain times. And I think... That's that's how I'd say it. Do you think because there's been some, you know, talk about the data around uh, Dejan Kulusevski this uh, this week, and he's in the top five players in the Premier League lo- along with James Madison actually, for I think it's like for progressive passing and big chances created. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I, I'm actually I, I do want to sort of put this up front by saying like you know I do think he's largely been brilliant this season actually coming back to some of his best that we saw in his in his first well, half season anyway at Spurs but mm-hmm. do you do you feel that in the Liverpool game in particular he was maybe slightly predictable at times when he's playing against players of a certain caliber that, that Liverpool do have that, yeah yeah I it think, was quite I easy think to read right? was the word I thought yeah yeah, yeah I, th- I think maybe and I think that that's hopefully something we'll work on this week in terms of how we vary those attacks up um you'd assume Ange is pretty used to playing against low blocks when he's at you know from Celtic time and, and all that kind of thing um I think one thing I would have liked to have seen if, um, I might be wrong but I think in the Sheffield United game he went he came inside to the sort of like I think did Madison go off and he came inside to one of the yeah. eight ten positions um yeah. maybe it was the subs like the lack of subs we couldn't do that but I maybe thought we would have seen that and like you know either him doing that or Poro going out you know that sort of further wide stretching that pitch a bit because I, yeah Neville did say it on commentary that like we were playing, we weren't, we weren't getting wide enough. Um, one of his sort of better points <laughs> on that, on that commentary. But um, yeah, I think that hopefully that that's something that we'll work on and like how we switch it up. And I do wonder if in in other games we might see, especially later on, him him sort of go inside. You know, especially if if we're lacking those other options like Madison has to go off or um, not got like. An Ergio or someone who can play sort of centrally in, in that kind of way because I think it worked against Forrest obviously with his goal and everything. Yeah, I was literally going to ask you this next because Madison, he was maybe 50, maybe not quite 50 50, but he was on the borderline mm. of maybe not starting this game at least against Liverpool. And I thought this game he started to look just kind of tired I think toward the end of the game maybe and uh, yeah, it was it was, yeah. a, it was a highly contested match especially in that midfield area so that's that's understandable um, but if he is carrying a slight knock or something I can see maybe the cumulative effect of that manifesting toward the uh, toward the end of the game um, and I was yeah I was wondering about whether or not Kulisevsky can play inside because I have heard it floated about people talking some people just thinking it's outlandish but to me he's he does have a lot of the qualities to play in that 10 or maybe a, a kind of advanced well, yeah. state role, right? I think especially when we're looking to kind of, um, you know, break someone down towards the end of the game. I, I, again, that's what I, th- I think that's what we did against Forrest. So it seemed to work with him obviously scoring the screamer at the end. Um, and I guess partly down to the injuries and stuff as well. But yeah, let's... Um, Let's see. I guess in other games when Johnson's fit, he might be able to go on right wing and round the outside and that kind of thing. It'd be good to see a bit more variation. Uh, I know like Tifo had a really good video out yesterday about um, about the sort of the yeah the tactical side of breaking all that stuff down. It seemed to make sense, and it, I think a lot of it was about you know getting in behind and putting in a few more of those crosses because we should use Porro a bit more for that because his. Um, his crossing from like the byline and stuff is is great, so why not um, vary it up when we can? 
I did want to uh, give a shout out because you, you mentioned him actually earlier. Give a shout out to like as if he's listening, but <laughs> to, to Pedro to Pedro Porro, how uh, how much he's growing into this side, into this system as a player. I've I've actually been pretty skeptical of um, whether or not he'd actually work within the system. This kind of inverted style that is you know popularised at the moment, especially by managers like Ange, Pep, Klopp. But he's, I mean, he seems to be going from strength to strength. I, I actually I actually think he was probably our man of the match against Liverpool. Um, have you, I yeah, mean, have you I been think, impressed I with think him? So. Yeah, definitely. I think he's sort of really grown. And I mean, well, I'd say that even even the United game, he was he was great, albeit the, uh, the, the few moments in the first half that Gary Neville kept going on about. But like... You know, generally he's 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 looked a lot a lot more comfortable than I think a lot of us thought in that sort of um, in that back four like inverted role. Um, you know, in the summer and everything, I think everyone people weren't really sure about that, or it seemed like Emerson would be kind of a pretty ideal guy to play that kind of steady yeah. um, back four sort of role. Um, I mean, he's, he's just so good on the on the ball and like his sort of awareness and his touch and everything can be so good. His passing. Can be can be amazing his crossing and that and that kind of thing. So he's such a, a threat. I think he yeah will just keep uh, keep developing. He's like he's a, he's a good bloke. He puts a lot a lot into a lot of a lot of passion, um, <laughs> which is uh, always good. P a s h u n yeah yeah exactly. Um, you 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 touched on, on Gary Neville there as well. You were you like me. You were watching at home. He's he's. Got a real bizarre bee in his bonnet for Tottenham right now, doesn't he? Like he he could not get up. I mean, let, look, let's talk about the Curtis red card, right? For me, that's it's a red card, and I, I don't even think that's a Spurs bias, right? It, it was a reckless challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a red card. I think, like, to be honest, at the time, and I don't know how much I was influenced by um, what Neville was saying and stuff. Um, I thought it was maybe like a. You know, eighty percent of the time, kind of thing. Red card, like bit of like a strong orange, if you want to call it that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, like the more that I've seen, if anything, it's like the more that I've seen it. It's like the more it seems like a red. I, I, it's, 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 again, it's always one of those that like you can understand. Sometimes, if it's you, and in the time of the game, you're gonna be, you're gonna, you're gonna. If it's your team, you're thinking like you're, you're hoping it's not gonna get given. You you're trying to defend them, but like with the benefit of hindsight and everything else, I don't see how you can complain about it, never mind, like, putting the, the appeal that they've done. I think that that's, that's crazy. Because I generally find I do have that with Spurs, when in the moment I'm like, ah, it's never a red, it's never a red, and then you kind of watch yeah. these things back a bit. And I'm trying to think of a of an example of this. I want to say, I think Romero got a red towards the tail end of last year, did he? Um which was sort of similar to this Curtis Jones one, where at first you're like, that's soft, that's ridiculous. And then you see it played back a few times, you think, yeah, actually, yeah. strong orange, like you say, you know, and it, it just... Yeah, exactly. Just, just get over it's like, it. It probably right? gets given four games out of five. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You've got to, especially now, you kind of got to suck it up. Like, I think I've heard people say that I think a lot of it was just Liverpool's... Um, you know they were. Uh, I think at that time of the game they were, they probably had their best like maybe four or five minutes or so, um, and a lot of it is just their kind of almost over infusing, I think, and him just sort of making that challenge sort of sum sum that up at that point. They were just going in really strong and you know these sort of tactical fouls that they're doing and stuff like that. And sometimes that's just kind of what's going to happen. I just yeah I did with. With the whole Neville reaction to, to to that and to like, you know, other games that we've had this season, I, I find it really odd how strong he was on it. Like he wasn't really backing down. It's a bit like how you know we talk about Porro. Obviously, in that game against United, in his head he was like, you know, this guy shouldn't be doing this. And so he, I've never heard him go back on that or like praised Porro since in the games that he's commented on, uh, commentated on sort of since then. And it, it's a bit strange because he seemed to really like us under Poch. And then I can understand, obviously, the last few years why I think he's not, not been so keen. But you'd have thought now that, like, we're sort of in deserve of a bit of um, bit of praise. And, he, he, yeah, I don't know. It felt in, in the game on with Liverpool, he seemed particularly keen not to be seen to be biased against them. But... That was that was how I sort of took him yeah. what he was saying about the the red the Jones red card. 
it, it, yeah, I think you, ultimately, if you're if it happens against you, it's one of those that you've got to say after the game. Well, it, a lot of the time, the ref's going to give it, so you just suck it up. I can't help but feel with him as well. There is there is this element to it where he's he's quite happy to praise Spurs when he feels we're just a sort of plucky underdog yeah. that we're okay. We can he can yeah. pat us on the head and then Man United can knock us out in the semi-final of the FA Cup or whatever because that's the natural order of things. I think I noticed with him, he starts to get quite bothered by the idea that we might somehow climb out of this. And you can't as clearly really criticise Spurs in the same way that you can a City or a Newcastle for you know the, the, where their income is from, the amount of money they spend on transfers, wages and everything like that. Spurs are... Yeah, we we still spend money, but we're a pretty <laughs> self-sustained club. Like it's, it's a self-sustained project. It should be something that I feel is lauded much more uh, by the the general kind of football commentariat. But it still, seems to be a source of derision for Spurs, doesn't it? That we don't spend enough. That Levy's a penny pincher and all this stuff. So I think we all know. <laughs> the, the the undercurrent to yeah, a lot yeah. of this kind of commentary but it's still it's frustrating I, I find but then I'm also like oh well you know let's just let's just show them otherwise yeah exactly I mean I, I, I just find it a bit weird with him be, at the moment because it, it did seem under Poch like he was sort of you know saying quite a lot of nice things and I think generally he does about I think he's probably quite got quite a lot of respect for Levy and that kind of thing with the, his own running mm. of clubs. I, I think I've heard that sort of good things from that. So I'm just a bit, I'm just a bit surprised to be honest that, like, you know, at the moment he's sort of just coming out with some odd things like the Poro thing, the doggy thing with Gunas. It's just like he he gets this idea and then just keeps repeating it, and it's just a bit. It, I, I think it actually does influence then the the kind of the mood after the game like with the red card and like it's sort of riled up there I, I i don't think it's 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 not like the only reason by any means but it helps like contribute to these things because a lot of other people have come out and said it's a definite red card so i just don't understand why he was so staunchly the other other way really well let's let's talk about some of the reaction after this game mate, because it's mm. been it's been a pretty mad weekend early start to this week for I mean, Liverpool releasing their own statement on the matter, making official requests for the to the PGMOL, is it? Um, about obtaining the audio recordings of the what was going on in the VAR booth at the time. Um, you know, Liverpool fans obviously citing this as being anything from Manchester City-led corruption to a. Uh, worldwide Zionist conspiracy spearheaded by Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> which you know it just it beggars belief it's not been it? going very well has it no no exactly yeah. as, Na as Nathan A. Clark said he said I, I, I've, got, I've got to find his tweet uh, I, I will in a second but I mean how uh, I mean how have you processed a lot of this mate because it's, it's been pretty mad hasn't it yeah yeah I don't know I, I feel like somehow maybe because of the warmth to, towards Ange and stuff before the game from them I'd, I'd started to sort of think that actually maybe um, the Gunas were nearly as um, as sort of as crazy as them but then actually they, they've just they've just got their own sort of other 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 level really don't they um, I think it's just I think there's a lot of things that this is rooted in I think ultimately there is still this kind of Liverpool and like I don't see how this happens with any other team than Liverpool and United and I think with with someone like Liverpool it's like the whole history this this kind of undercurrent of like the whole like this means more thing oh, is like it triggers me so much yeah. that you know like no I know but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, but this this whole thing builds like it builds this stuff yeah. like into a certain and and I think you know not to not to in any way kind of excuse but to try and explain why why they've got into this sort of level of situation i think things like the fact that you know they've been on this unbeaten run i think since the start of april maybe they'd won i think was it eight in a row i you know they would have gone gone top of the league you've just had city united everton lose their three o'clock <laughs> games i think they're all like really you know bang up for for this yeah. one ready to kind of win and then with the VAR thing that Salah's on his this 12 game 
a streak of a goal and assist or something. And, you know, he assisted that VAR kind of thing. They've got this like siege mentality. It, it feels like they've had, you know, they've had all these, they've had a, a lot of other red cards um, in, in, these, in these other games, which, you know, is always, when you get a red card, I guess it always contributes to like a bit of a, a siege mentality. And I think that that's sort of, it's all of these things that feels like kind of coming, coming together. And yeah, it's again, not to explain it, but it just, it's just another, another sort of level of, um, Reaction. I th- there was a really good article in the in Football Three Six Five on it actually. Uh, Dave Tickner's article, um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's only Liverpool that could react in this way. I think the sort of level of self pity and like kind of positivity about it. It's ridiculous. I honestly think Arsenal are close second though, right? Because there, there, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah. find with those two fan bases there is this, and it is an almost cult-like status around them because what I, what I understand is because I understand that the core of of Liverpool we are talking about a you know a, a working class community that has had a, a, a notable history of systemic oppression and I, I, I you know I can understand why there is a uh, not even just a distrust a, a disdain for the established order if you like, um, the whole Scouse, not English yeah. thing. Obviously, we've had Hillsborough. We've had, you know, going back even further, Winston Churchill's treatment of the strikers in, in Merseyside and everything like that. Like, the, you know, there is a, there's a rich history there of legitimate reasons for the people of Liverpool to feel aggrieved. But like you say, like, outside of that, and I think it's important for people to remember this because I think, you know, from Spurs' side, people can fall into this quite lazy and ugly commentary when we're rebuking some of this stuff from Liverpool you know I mean when we're going into talking about like you know Scouse benefit claimants and all you know all that type of stuff which is it's all just a bit you know come on change of fucking you can you can talk about their fan base being weirdos without having to go into that type of territory exactly but but yeah, yeah. but the, the point with this is though I, I do find that because there is such that strong identity there i think when you're talking about you know we all know fans in london who are liverpool fans oh because of uh well actually i've got a great aunt from live oh yeah sure you do mate you know that that, <laughs> that those type of people and i guess people from from abroad as well who are buying into liverpool you're buying into the the whole package, right? The Everything cult. that it is precisely that, precisely that. So I, I think there's a lot of people trying to almost kind of prove how Liverpool they are. We're Scouse, not English. We're this. Well, you're not. Yeah. You're not actually yeah. from New York, mate. But still, you know, you're definitely not Scouse or English. But <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but 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 do you get what I mean? There is there's a lot there that you can cling on to because there is a very clearly. You know, there's a very clear identity to to what Liverpool is and what being a Liverpool fan is. So it does in these sort of situations. It's like, well, this is what we're going to do. We've got to batten down the hatches. It's a conspiracy against us because we're Liverpudlians, because we're Scousers, because the established order doesn't, the establishment even doesn't like Liverpool. It doesn't like who we are and what we are. And that, in the context of football as well, is very easy to see these kind of explosive situations. I, I think come to a head in this way and I think just on, on a surface level like you say okay they've beaten us in the Champions League final which should be enough you know this is the other thing as well when people are getting into arguments with Spurs fans just every single time just post that picture of Jordan Henderson lifting the Champions League trophy post a picture of a dejected Harry Kane you don't you don't need to go in onto these anti-Semitic rants about <laughs> like the Zionist conspiracy yeah. favouring Tottenham because of our Jewish association you know you don't need to do that. just say haha we beat you when it mattered and that's it that's that's an easy way to to shut the conversation down but you know people people don't seem to you know it seems to become a competition as to how much we can hurt the other person right and that's when this stuff gets yeah. all quite ugly quite nasty should say separately to this and you know I, as well I think the anti-semitism as well is at its core is just it's just racism isn't it it's just people being morons as is the abuse that somebody like Destiny Adoggy has, has faced in the wake of this and people can again debate well what what's the source of these accounts are they a real Liverpool fan or not and whatever 
as we're talking about these narratives, this bluster, everything, the ripple effect of this is things like that. Is is players like Destiny a Doggy who now has to face, you know, pages of monkey emojis and other such kind of you know base level rank racism, which I'm not going to, and I'm, I'm, I'm I've got to be careful with how I, I put this, but I think. Liverpool as a club their statement um, out the back of that I think in particular them hinting towards the sporting integrity somehow implying that there was a level of corruption to what took place on the team was at best very irresponsible of them as as a club um, yeah yeah. because I can't say that the actions of a, of a racist abusing Destiny Dog Liverpool are fully culpable for those but I think with everything that we've just spoken about there with the cult with the nature of online discourse the way the ripple effects of these things stoking the embers kind of fanning the flames of this type of thing any other fire-based metaphors that you know you can choose to insert at this point they uh they I don't think they really helped the situation I don't think they've helped really with any of this they could have kept it I think just a bit more I don't know a bit more professional maybe I don't know is that is that the term yeah yeah I don't think I don't think many other clubs are going to release a statement like that um I think with a doggy I was um I was yeah the fact that they didn't say anything about it for a good five hours until after Spurs had I thought was a bit again not very like sort of almost switched on of them really it didn't even mention his name in the uh in the sort of the post that they put put on if you compare that like you know to how spurs uh dealt with the fodderingham situation mm. i think um you know it's not about it's not about one upmanship or anything in this kind of situation but i just uh, it, it left a bit it, you could almost still yeah sort of taste the taste the salt from it and like you say with the the other statement about the um the var the nod to sporting integrity within it <laughs> i mean it is it's it is fanning the flames of their fan base that were already kind of looking for that kind of thing i mean this ultimately is the sort of mis- it's it's a it is a really bad mistake but it's it's a it's a goal incorrectly ruled for offside ultimately it's not some grand conspiracy about you know the VAR refs or anything like that. Yes, I think like when it comes to, you know, there's there's other dis- discussions about how we deal with with VAR. But if you look at the ins- like this whole kind of release the tapes kind of thing that they seem to be <laughs> obsessed with, like what what do they really think they're going to get from that? It's like, yeah, do, do they just put it, that, that clearly indicates that they think that they're lying about you know what what the cock up was, and I think it's quite a believable cock up to have happened like uh, it's just what ha- like well, i don't understand why you need sort of all this proof i mean release the harry kane offside image from the lisbon game last year when yeah. that never came through i mean you, we weren't going on about that for days and days and days let's replay the game against manchester united in whatever it was 1999 or 2000 yeah. with the roy carroll <laughs> knocking the ball back over the line you know it, it's Everybody, and I think this is this is one of the, the the big points. I think that I really stand by this is, and I think this is one of those things that Liverpool. I do find almost uniquely as a fan base struggle to really get a grasp on is that you get so many of these decisions go your way as well. Like when you're watching these, yeah. a lot of these games, not even just against Spurs. When you're watching games, you know, lest we forget. Diogo Jota literally kicking Oliver Skip in the face and then scoring a winner, still being on the pitch to do that. You know, there's there's, there's plentiful examples, as you'll see all over Twitter Well, the Wolves FA Cup. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that Wolves FA Cup from earlier earlier this year, VAR problems. I think, was it something to do with the cameras or something like that? It didn't get a clear angle. Again, it's just like a bit of a fuck-up. clear to see. Yeah, yeah. And Wolves then getting the FA Cup. It's sort of literally you guys have been involved in something like this this year. And like, you know, it happens to everyone. And, you know, there's this stuff being going round about 
whoever gets the most VAR decisions or whatever in, in the big six, if you if you like, and Spurs are at the bottom and Liverpool were clear at the top. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm not going to put too much on. Not going to put too much on that. I don't know how it's been calculated or whatever, but still, it's. Um, I think that is just literally a totting up of all the all the VAR decisions since it's come in, and they're, they're getting the most for them. It's you know for them to call such like conspiracy and for this to still be dragging on. It's on morning TV shows. It's on, you know, still leading like, you know, radio like programs and it's stuff. Bonkers, it's bonkers, isn't it? It's bonkers. It wouldn't happen for anyone else, would it? It wouldn't no. happen for anyone else, and that's that's kind of the the weird weird thing about it. As I dug out Nathan's Nathan O'Clark's Twitter, he needs no introduction. Uh, he said, uh, "I would say overall, the grand multi-industry conspiracy to make Tottenham win things and prevent Liverpool from doing so has not gone too well so far this decade or the last, uh, which is pretty much on the money." Isn't Praying it, it comes through. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers We're crossed. Playing the long game. Fingers crossed, lads. Um, I guess out the back of this, like. It seems almost redundant to say, do we need to have more of a conversation about VAR? I think everybody realises that there needs to be certain conversations had about VAR. But how, I mean, how do you feel about it? Because I think for me, just to, to, to quickly jump in on this one, is that there's always going to be errors, right? When, when there's a human element there, and this is the point that I think needs to be the loudest out of all of these and and some people are saying i'm hearing it sort of on some of the podcasts and stuff is that that you know var i think it was a view from the lane in particular tim spears was talking about the fact that yeah yeah var was introduced almost as this golden solution to all of the problems that were going to occur within football that now we've got this kind of robotic almost ai like it's actually charlie eccleshirt saying this almost like robotic like solution to things such as goal line technology, such as Hawkeye with tennis. But the problem is that too many of these occurrences, things that happen within football, still require somebody's judgment. And within that, there's going to be disagreement. There's always going to be a disagreement. So now we're faced with this situation where we just have another layer of refereeing, really, that creates all of these kind of issues and further lends itself to ideas of, corruption or some kind of you know malevolence taking place when you know what what we've actually removed from football now is you know when Matip's goal went in at the end I honestly I didn't really have that same spark of joy I didn't really celebrate it my immediate thing was just wait just wait just wait it's there might be a flag or maybe there's a foul somewhere and I feel that I have that so often now when I'm watching games I think the last time I really really like kind of exploded with joy was maybe Sheffield United but even before then was probably that Kane goal that you were talking about before in the Champions League which then got chalked off as well you know it it, it gets harder and harder so I mean I, I think for me you know I think they really need to scale back in my opinion anyway they need to scale back VARs bring back bring in the automated offsides that we see in the Champions League, the AI-led ones with the clear line that there's no error of doubt, there's no human interpretation there. There's a, there's a system in place that tells you offside or not, and it's binary. It, it's the same for everybody. It's not a case-by-case basis, as we see still at the moment, right? Sometimes you see it from a fingertip, other times you don't, it, and it just seems to be all over the shop. Um but for more of these decisions, you know, for more of these things when it's when it's just, an, like I say, another layer of refereeing, just leave it to the guy on the pitch. Unless somebody's been elbowed behind the back of his head off the ball and the VAR can flag that, say, go look at the monitor when you were up the other end. You know, those two lads down there have gotten into a scuffle and one slapped the other one around the face. He needs a red card. Just scale it back, you know. I, but I don't know. I don't know. how. How do you feel about it, man? Yeah, I think you've summed it up really well there. I think that's pretty much exactly how I feel. Um, you know, Anne said I think after the game um, about no form of technology is going to make the game errorless, and I think that's something we've come to learn. Like I was quite strong. I was quite in favour of VAR because partly because of the you know the stuff that had gone against us, whether it's like those Chelsea ghost goals, the Carroll the Roy Carroll one, whatever, we, we all know them. But, like, I was quite in favour of it because you thought, oh, there's going to be um better opportunity to sort of get things right. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like like you say, it really takes away from that those like huge moments of joy, those like outbursts. I mean, I think like you say, the Sheffield United maybe the second one because it didn't really feel like there was anything that it could that could go wrong there. I'm trying to think the first goal maybe there was a bit more of a, a of a hold partly because we'd had one or two chalked off already, the Brennan Johnson one and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, you know, if it's it's look is is realizing that there is gonna be this other sort of side to it, um, this negative, uh, which affects like the best thing in football, which is is scoring goals or like, you know, especially like those kind of last minute ones. So it's it's just not worth the um is whether it's worth the trade off. And I think when I say that like yeah, the automated offside. I think like it'd be interesting to know why they didn't bring that in this year. Like, is there some sort of reason, like some info about it? It's not ready yet, or whatever. I think the clubs voted know, against more it. Errors. Yeah, but why? Why? That's yeah. that's what I don't know if there's a reason. If there's a, if there's some kind of reason they've done that or needs a bit more time. But yeah, that that would be. I think that would be great because even if it's just so, if it's super quick and it's not got those like lines being drawn on with whatever by some ref in Stockley Park then that'd be great and then like you say just really trying to find a way of um, scaling back because I don't think you can I don't think we can go back to a place where we do completely get rid of it just because ultimately the first thing that happens after it there's still just going to be all this outrage about why Mm. we got you know they'll suddenly swing the other way and be outraged why we got rid of it I'd seen someone say that apparently VAR's cut out 75-80% or something of refing mistakes. Interesting. Um, and I don't know how true that, I don't know how true that I mean, is. How do you even um, quantify that? Is so, the, the, the immediate yeah, thing I would question. But Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's the, 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 it's in the detail there. That's where, for me, I think you're going to have to accept a certain buffer of, like, error. Like, that's ultimately what, because football and these kind of incidents are just opinion, uh, uh, you know, opinion-led one person's view on the Curtis Jones tackle is different to someone else's so that's not really going to sort of change things but yeah I think um, it definitely needs a change so hopefully if anything comes out of it hopefully you know there'll be that and I think like the offside one would be a big one that'd be a big step forward and then find some other ways to kind of reduce it because you just can't you don't you can't be having you know those like sort of last minute goals going in and uh, the whole crowd kind of doubting whether it's a thing that that's the best that's why we're all there that's it right i mean that is literally it's such a it is a it's a low scoring game football and those yeah, those moments yeah, you, you want to be able to cling on to those right it, it it's it's yeah. why the, the game is is, is yeah. pure emotion really isn't it i mean well, it's not pure i mean lots of people yeah. are very invested in the tactical side of football but i think for the at least when you're in the ground the spectator side of things you have a few beers some people do anyway and then you watch the football and you you know you cheer them on so 100 percent. we just got to be careful um, one quick, we don't do one quick yeah, thing there was just like i just found it funny this whole um conversation that's now suddenly come up about the slow motion with the particularly like the jones tackle yeah. and like a few people neville carragher i think klopp all talking about this thing and like to be honest it's something that i've been sort of saying like just you know just to my mates whatever like watching watching the game like it it, it does annoy me but i just it's kind of funny that this was the first time i've ever heard it sort of said when it literally happens on every single decision like there's there's still that always is going to make it kind of well we'll usually make it look worse i i thought with the jones one when it was sped up it looked just as bad so I, i didn't really get their point there to be honest but the um i do think that that's another thing that could be you know, I do actually agree with their point more broadly, like especially when it comes to like handballs and stuff like that. Mm. It, it annoyed me last week with uh, Romero. I don't look. It, it probably was a handball ultimately, but it. You know, when you see those things like slowed down, I do agree that the, the you know, we like the fact that we play the game in normal speed and we judge it in slow motion. It, it, it's like that's that's one way i think again with things like var we don't need to slow things down to them sort of the millisecond if you can't see it in full speed or it doesn't look like a foul or a thingy in full speed then what's there's i don't, i think people can deal with that like we don't need to um to to have that level of um scrutiny i don't think no because i mean with the handballs in particular you can compare and contrast as a there's a very clear example of when we last beat arsenal at the emirates 3-2 the Cesc Fabregas handball 
from the from the free kick. I don't know if you recall that. He's standing in the wall. Oh, and yeah, he just yeah, put his, yeah. he just inexplicably, I guess he was fairly young at the time, yeah. just put his arm up in the air to block the ball. Quite clearly a handball, quite clearly a deliberate attempt to block the ball with his hand. And as such, Tottenham got a penalty and scored from it. Romero's one, like you say, yep, when you do slow it down, you can see, okay, well, he's, he's moved his arm in this way. But the player is going to ground. He's, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with the point you're making in that maybe just play these back in real time. It's supposed to be the, the thing that we continue to hear about VAR from the point of inception is clear and obvious. It's going to be there to preside yeah. over clear and obvious decisions. And now it seems to be, you know, I'm sure you've been in the ground as well when there's times when there's five, six minutes taken for a decision. Yeah, you think, yeah. what is going on here? If it's taking this long, yeah. then let the game go on. And, you know, yeah, I think that would be like a, just an a, just an instant filter to go. This if if it's not you can't see it at full speed, then it's like it's it's not clear and obvious enough. Like I th- I think when people everyone wanted VAR to come in, it was to get rid of those like crazy like things that understandably sometimes like a ref might miss because it's on the other side of the pitch or the backs turned or whatever. If you're doing it, you know these these things and show them in full in like regular speed and accept that that's how we play the game, then then fine. But yeah, I also just I found it funny that this was the first time I've heard heard any of them sort of mentioning it when it's 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 been happening like multiple times a week for years now. <laughs> well, this is a conversation that is going to yeah, it's going to rumble on, and I don't think we're ever going to have a, <laughs> yeah. a, a, a an outcome that will satisfy everybody. But you know, gives us all something to talk about. That's that's football when all is said and done. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, isn't it? Um, right, so, Chris, I wanted to talk to you a bit today about not I mean you're here because you're a Spurs fan but also um, the reason why I've, in, I've invited you onto the podcast today in part is uh, because I'm uh, very happy to be sponsored by your company Infinite Session for for the for Sober October um, obviously if you've you know you've heard me you've heard me do the read at the top but uh, I wanted to yeah just sort of talk to you a bit about about the company about the product I mean, I believe we first actually started talking, I think it was during lockdown. I want to say during lockdown. And yeah, yeah. I think- if I recall correctly, I think I just posted like one of your tins and you and you had, you had liked the post or something. And I was like, oh, hang on. This dude's a, a Spurs fan and it seems to be his company. Um, and from there. So, I mean, basically, my point is that I was actually a, 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 a a customer, if we like, of yours before uh, before anything like this, and I, I, I am an advocate of your product, big fan of it, and I actually even approached you about about doing this. So, you know, this isn't some cynical. I'm not doing a full Wayne's World here, mate. Um, getting you on for some, <laughs> yeah, getting you on for some like yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've basically I paid to come. I paid to I paid to come on the pod. Basically, <laughs> You've, it. uh, it's not, like even, that, not even a Spurs fan. Yeah, yeah. It was like that guy. I think it was in Slovakia. I saw like a month or two ago. Who um, paid paid the club to sign his his son, his like eighteen year old son or something, to have a little run out at the end of the game. That's that's me. Yeah, no. When um, when I saw you drank, um, you were like a customer of Infinite. Like thought that the story was like a really crazy coincidence, just because. Um, yeah, I've been listening to the pod since uh, pretty early days. I think I, at least. Would, some of the watches early seasons, I definitely remember. Um, definitely remember from them. Just sort of been regularly listening since then. So uh, yeah, it's a great coincidence, really. No, I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, what I've 
particular like, what's what's drawn me to it because I, I it was actually a friend that recommended it um to me because i was talking yes. on i think i can't remember i think it was instagram i was saying it was during lockdown and i think it was at that point when everybody was getting quite kind of sad when the reality of what lockdown was was starting to kick yeah. in and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was like I was drinking too much, like it was problematic or anything. It was just when you become conscious of the fact of like, well, I'm not really moving and I'm maybe drinking sort of perhaps even every night, even if it's just a couple of glasses of wine or something, because you're lacking that comfort, you're lacking the familiarity of just yeah, yeah. something happening. So I asked a sort of mate about like, what are some of the good alcohol-free options? Because I could only remember like, you know, beers like caliber and stuff like that that were like alcohol yeah, free yeah. and just kind of were metallic and tinny and everything and he was saying that no, try infinite session is great it really just tastes like beer you don't you know you don't really notice the difference you get the same kind of meditative effect if you like and i've heard actually lee mack um of all people talking about this because he's gone teetotal now and he drinks non-alcoholic beers i can't remember who's po- i think it was maybe adam buxton's podcast he was on and he was talking about the whole process right. of sitting down and having a non-alcoholic beer even it's just the same and so much of it isn't even about the alcohol it's just about the process it's about the setting it's about the taste and everything like that and that's i would say many many uh boxes that you tick but what when when did you start the company what's what's the story mate um give us a bit of background there uh so yeah, it's, it's just me and my brother Tom. We're both uh, both Spurs fans. Um, started it five or six years ago. Um, both drink beer, live in uh, trendy East London, where <laughs> lots of uh, craft breweries have sort of popped up over the last sort of. I mean, I've been living here like eleven years or so. So in that time, a lot of a lot of that kind of thing. And yeah, for me, it was um, obviously e- easy when you live in, a, especially some, especially somewhere like London, where you could be out like with seeing friends and you know, in between that and weekends, and then like if Spurs are playing midweek, not so much of a problem at the moment. But you know, and, and they're on TV and you're, you're opening tinnies, like you say, it can be quite easy to be drinking every night of the week. Um, and so for us, it was really, we just sort of started like Mondays, Tuesdays, we'd play football seven aside on a Monday and we'd like, we would like, like we're definitely not drinking tonight because we also sort of like live together. And um, yeah, sort of just kind of came from them. We tried some alcohol-free beers, thought some of them were actually a bit better than we thought they would be. But this was, yeah, back in like 2016 sort of time. So uh, we thought they were better than we thought, but thought we could do something um much better with them that was sort of more closely like aligned to the kind of beer we were drinking out um in bars and like tap rooms that kind of thing sort of near us and yeah that was that was basically it so we set out set out um with infinite session to create like a you know a beer that actually tastes like beer that you could just sort of drink all night if you wanted to it's not sort of too sweet a lot of the a lot of the non-alcoholic beers can have you sort of open the bottle or a can and straight away you can smell the kind of unfermented like sweet kind of call it um worthy like taste flavor and it just didn't really have that beer profile so that's that's what we sort of set out to to, to create and yeah sort of um gone pretty well since then we sort of sell mostly online through our website and amazon and then um we're sort of otherwise sold in sainsbury's and yeah it's just us two running the company and um, yeah, we've kind of mo- our main beers are a IPA uh, and a parallel, so sort of more on that sort of craft end of the um, of the scale uh, with with Infinite um, and, and and sort of flavour profile. But yeah, that's pretty much it. You do have a pilsner, don't you? You got you got bitter as well, do you? Uh, well, at the moment we've just got those two in stock. The others we kind of rotate uh, through uh, sometimes. So sometimes we have have a best bitter. That's that's yeah. like some of our like more lo- like loyal fans absolutely love that, and they're a bit uh, bit annoyed that we don't have that right now. <laughs> um, the uh, the pills pills are as well was we we had that kind of early days. We sort of have done lagers a few times, but we might sort of look to bring that back. I think it's just. Um, yeah, the IPA and the, the pale have always been our sort of bestseller, so we, so we focused on that. And we're, uh, we're going to launch this new um, alcoholic light beer, which is a which is a lager, a bit lower in alcohol and, and kind of calorie sort of thing. So that's been a bit of a focus from the lager perspective. So hopefully that will be coming um, fairly soon. Do you think you can get into? Is it? I mean, is it a closed shop? Say partnering with someone like Spurs? 
you reckon you'd be able to get it in the stadium at any point? It probably that, well, unless we got bought by Heineken, I think it would be quite difficult. Yeah, would yeah. I think Spurs have got a deal with uh, Heineken, really? uh, who own like Beaver Town and everything for the whole, pretty much everything in the stadium. I think almost everything but Guinness, which. Um, is, it will be probably supplied by them, so it's quite difficult. I don't know if there might be chances in the in maybe in the boxes and stuff, but it, it's difficult, especially how close they are with with them, and like they've got their own uh, Heineken Zero and and stuff like that. So, yeah, we um, we'll see, we'll see. Who knows? Where's where can uh, anybody get their hands on on Infinite Session right now, mate? Yeah, go to website infinitesession.com. Um, I think uh, as we said, we've got a got a deal um this month for for your your listeners with uh 20 off which is uh we don't often go that deep on our sort of our, our promotions so um they use uh, rtr20 as a code uh with infinitesession.com amazon um sainsbury's and then just other sort of independent kind of stores you might sort of find it in um in sainsbury's it's in the kind of the alcohol free section um sort of our ipa four packs are in there and our parallel are in, are in some as well yeah i've got get it from my big Sainsbury's as well but it's, it's perfect for me I'm, I'm sort of gluten intolerant so I know it's gluten free it's low sugar low yep. calories all of it and good taste no and I, and I and I honestly mean that as well mate that's the thing it's my it, it is my go-to uh alcohol free beer so I'm glad to be glad to be partnering with you on this mate lovely checks in the post <laughs> um, <Actually is>. yeah <laughs> literally uh, <laughs> So right now we've uh, now we've done all the that part. Let's uh, let's look ahead, mate. Let's look ahead. We've we've left VAR behind. We've left Liverpool. Liverpool are just a just a, a dot dot <laughs> on the on the far. Well, it's not the horizon. It's whatever it is behind us. And the behind us, basically. Yeah, let's do that. Um, we don't need to think about them anymore. We don't need to think about Arsenal anymore. We've come through this period completely unscathed, which is pretty mad, right? United. Liverpool, Arsenal, games that don't generally go Tottenham's way. And yet here we are, one of only two teams in the Premier League. No, three teams, sorry, us, Arsenal. No, City lost. Yeah, one of only two teams that are, are now unbeaten in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, the squad does feel thin. We've, we've noticed this before. But like I say, form is good. We're playing well, one game a week. What are your hopes for the season right now, mate? Have they changed from where they were at the start of the year? Let's let's start let's start there. I think they're definitely yeah. I mean, it'd be difficult to not say that they've they've changed because obviously all the preview sort of previews going around and how you think about things like just before the season started when Kane looked like he was going, but we weren't sure, and it was oh if we keep Kane, we might get sixth. If we sell him, we might get tenth or something. Like it's definitely sort of cha- it has it, it 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 definitely has changed when you've actually seen it um it, it come through. But equally, trying not to get too ahead of things, um, take it. <laughs> it's it is a difficult one, isn't it? Like you know, as a Spurs fan, I think, uh, particularly, I think you're naturally um you're kind of guarded about some of these things. Um, you know, um, you look ahead at future games and think, well, we've had our luck. We've maybe had our, our luck in some of the other sort of games or, you know, even just being able to find the winners. That's not always going to happen. We've been saying from the start, everyone's been saying there's going to be this sort of blips and you're kind of um, anticipating that at some point. But then at the same time, part of me is trying to be a little be a little bit more, I guess you, it's a bit cringe, but you're a bit, a bit more like Ange-like in terms of being a bit more like just calm about things, trying not to be too like of that Spurs mentality where, you know, we're definitely going to lose here or there you just kind of kind of enjoying it i think mostly yeah uh, and that is i know like you say it it's hard not to fall into these kind of mawkish kind of cult-like behaviors ourselves isn't it when you've got somebody at the at the figurehead of the club like Ange postacoglu but he just lends himself so well to that idea of being a bit more like him just taking each game yeah. as it comes but not kind of stopping yourself from getting excited from enjoying football because that, I mean that is the breath of fresh air about him isn't it that he just he understands football he feels like he feels like one of the few people involved in football who is actually a massive football fan himself and understands it I'm sure there's plenty of others but yeah. so many of them pretend like they don't anymore 
You know, so many of them sort of pretend like they're above the concerns of us mere mortals. You know, the the kind of the 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 people there lapping up football. They who are, they are the providers of. But Ange still gets it. You know, he's he's talking. He was talking in press conferences at least about the fact how he used to play fantasy football and things like that. It's all relatable, believable stuff, and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced either. It doesn't feel disingenuous. Feels like a, a, a genuine guy. Um, with that said, <laughs> I think we're going to win the league, mate. You know, like uh, <laughs> no. Well, it's Manchester City. I, d- I don't. I just. I just. I don't know. I just think Spurs are doing something pretty mad right now, and the fact we only have one game a week because the FA Cup is still generally a weekend game as well. Don't forget. So one game a week, True. no League Cup, no European football. Small squad, yes, but you know, just, just maybe, just maybe. But Champions League, if that's if that's kind of the the, the fallback, five places in the Champions League this year, that's pretty decent going as well. I would I would like the FA Cup though. I've got to say I would like the FA Cup. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, the, it feels like with that Champions League thing that hope well potentially gives us like an extra uh, blanket. Um, obviously. Sort of thinking as to whether we'll get Champions League. If, if fifth place comes, comes, comes our way, then uh, or we gets a place, then yeah, that, that feels like you feel like we've got a much uh, like a much overall stronger chance of that. Definitely, I feel like we could, we've got you know every every reason to go for the FA Cup. Um, but you know, put full strength teams out and all that kind of thing. None of that kind of Middlesbrough away, Sheffield United away kind of nonsense. Um, Kind of, I think like after what happened with Fulham in the in the Carabao, I think you know Ange will have seen the reaction and everything like that, and so we may as well kind of kind of go for it. But yeah, I think I think we just got to kind of enjoy it. With Ange, I feel like he kind of gives you that sense of protection, like he gives you the, the players about you know making mistakes or whatever. You feel almost like shielded by him, but equally, you it's this this feeling of like you're allowed to get carried away if you want to. So it's, it's kind of that quite nice um, sort of place to be, I think. Just to, I guess, just to come towards the end of the pod now, mate, Luton away next. We've had all these difficult fixtures, like I say. Um, it would be, you know, I, I get the, the memes, the tropes. <laughs> you're not Spurs if you're not worried about Luton being the first game we lose. I, I can't see it happening, though, can you? I mean, I'm, I don't take anything for granted. Never take a Premier League fixture for granted, but I can't see Spurs losing to Luton. <laughs> Should I clip this bit up when we do? No, I put it at the start of the next. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a draw. No, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm still not quite rid of that, like, natural, like, anxiety or, like, second-guessing these kind of things and being like, oh, well, definitely not. I'd like to think that, like, obviously, it's, it does feel different now that we shouldn't do I'm as much as much as anything. I'm convinced because the weather's great on Saturday and Sunday. I'm watching that game, sort of going away afterwards, um, intending to have a really nice weekend. I can't help but like see that and go. We're definitely dropping points because you know. It, also, if we win that game, if we win it comfortably, then the Gunners are playing City, aren't they, the next day? Yeah. And it will mean either either with the international break, we'll either be top or Gunners will have. Uh, lost, so like in from that point of view, I can't help, <laughs> I can't help but think, think of the, you know, I can't have nice things like that. But I mean that said, we we've had some pretty nice things so so far this season. So there's look, there's no there's no reason that we shouldn't. Hopefully, the kind of the games against Liverpool, like Deep Block and Sheffield United, will have will be able to kind of mix up the attack a little bit more. Hopefully we can get a few players, uh, I don't know if Johnson will be back or, or anything like that. Um, and, you know, we can, you know, train sort of really knowing what's coming, coming at us from them. So, yeah, of course, you've got to, th- you've got to be, you've got to be confident about it, but there's always that bit in, in my head of, uh, and, and hopefully that I start, I shake that off this season, but yeah, can't help it. But I mean, I don't know about you, the, the, the biggest, change here and the the thing it's just I think just adds to the excitement of it all is that it's actually fun to watch Spurs again and I think we've neglected maybe for for four or five years now that we should we're supposed to enjoy this right we're supposed to at least the fact we can have these conversations like what what is the limit of Spurs's you know 
ambition this year? What should it be? What is our ceiling? The fact we don't know that, but the fact we can all at least hope that it's something big, something good, something exciting, that we are in this, as people keep saying, this embryonic phase of a big project. Um, I don't know if you saw the project video that was doing the rounds on, on, on Twitter. It was very funny, actually. It's the guy who clips up you know, when a manager's saying over the moon or something, he's a whole big compilation of people saying over the moon, <laughs> yeah. big compilation of people saying project or this is a project. But anyway, yeah. that we are in the embryonic stages of this project that we could be on the verge of something great. Most of all, it's just, it's just fun being a Spurs fan again, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's the main thing. You know, whatever happens, like we're gonna, we're gonna sort of be really smashing it from a, at least we'll, we'll dominate the game whatever happens like we'll we'll put in a like I, I can't see us not putting in a pretty like good performance overall at least you know from an attacking point of view and we if something happens it happens we've been saying it for ages like about there'll be a blip at some point worse things will happen like we've got enough of a buffer from the points that we've been getting so far this season that if it does then it, it does I think that's where, from that point of view, that's that's why for me I'm not really looking at particular individual like places or or anything like that for in terms of this, where we finish in the season. There is something nice about being able to just enjoy it at the moment. Like you just enjoy each one as it comes, and yeah, just feel feels good. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.